My guest for the day went from a tough Madison childhood, but discovered sports, which gave him an avenue of escape from home life. Quickly, he took on training as a career and worked up the ranks to train celebrities, pro athletes, and start his own nationally franchised gym. I'm Ben Brown, and this is the Madisonian Podcast. When looking into John Hines, I kept getting more and more interested in his career in the fitness industry. Regardless of whether you are interested in fitness or not, you'll still enjoy listening to his journey from a tougher place to success and a nationally franchised gym that started originally here in Madison. Subscribe to our newsletter on the website and enjoy my interview with Mr. John Hines. If you want to give the gift of the Madisonian podcast for these holiday times, then use code HOLIDAY in all caps for 10% off our merchandise. This is an exclusive offer, valid until Christmas. Use code HOLIDAY in all caps for 10% off our merchandise. It is such a great way to support the show and spread the message with our clothing and our accessories. Go to teespring.com slash stores slash the Madisonian podcast and use code HOLIDAY for 10% off. I was born here in Madison, Wisconsin. I have another brother and two older sisters and uh, both parents. Uh, I was by myself a lot. Uh, my parents and, uh, they drank a lot and my brothers and sisters, they did a lot of drugs. And so, uh, I escaped into the world of sports. And so I could stay away from my home as long as possible every single day. And I did that pretty much from grade school all the way through high school until I moved out the day after I graduated high school. So what kind of sports were you playing there as, as a kid and... I played football and basketball mostly. I played some soccer. I uh, played baseball. I did all the sports I could. Stay busy as possible. <laughs> what was um what was that experience of playing those sports and and was that did you know that that was something that you would want to do for a career or like go down the fitness path? Was that something that was on your mind or what was your idea of what you wanted to kind of do for a living? Well, when you're younger, you, your your heart just draws you to different things. You're doing a podcast. Why? Because you wanted to share stories. Uh, when I was younger, uh, we didn't have anything like this. So it was either playing games or sports always gave me a sense of team and bonding, of which I didn't have at home. So I really gravitated towards team sports a lot and uh, just connecting with other kids my age to play sports and then uh, just being around people that I could use as role models. Like uh, I, I used to play ball at this place called The Shell that I was usually the youngest person in the whole building, but I, I it helped me identify with older people so I would learn lessons from them. It was all from just my gut wanting to be part of something. Right. 
So what did you do? Like, what was your plan out of high school and like for a living? What were you going to do? Uh, I didn't really have a plan out of high school. I, I had an idea that I should probably go to college, although I really didn't know what that was like. So I took one year, I went to a junior college, played basketball, and uh, I didn't really have any clear vision in my head until a friend came up to me who lived in a big city. He was from New York City, and he said, you know, Johnny, you love working out, you love sports. There is a profession that pays you to help other people work out and coach them, and it's called personal training. And I was like, you mean I would get paid to help people get in shape? And he was like, yeah. And so I was like, well, sign me up. I'll do that in my sleep because I, I loved working out and I loved, I always was helping other people. And so that was logical. So uh, I started training people in college when I was a sophomore and uh, that worked out really well. I uh, did really well at that. In college, I was making pretty decent money for a college student. And because the day I moved out, I was completely on my own. I mean, uh, the day after I moved out of high school, one day after high school, I was completely self-supportive. I had to pay all my bills. I, I didn't get a penny for school, for college, for my family. So uh, I had to figure out ways. I had to hustle my ass off just to pay bills. And to, if I wanted to go to college, I had to figure out how I was going to pay for college. So I did that by uh, delivering pizzas and also doing some personal training. And then also I would be a security guard, like bounce frat parties and stuff like that. But once I learned that you could do personal training, I started gravitating towards that. And that's where then I started learning like exercise physiology and um, stuff like that, that helped me towards my eventual goal of becoming a strength coach in the NBA. So how did you establish yourself as a trainer enough to, to get recognized by, you know, like the NBA or some, some organization like that? How did you kind well, of make your name known or like establish yourself there in that field? Well, like with anything, you have to produce a great result to get people to uh, notice you. And uh, I was, from a young age, I became obsessed with dunking. And a lot of kids, you know, right around your age is when I started, my mom said when I was really little, all I did, used to do was jump and try and touch the ceiling and try and touch the door frame and then the ceiling and then palm the ceiling and then hit my head on the ceiling. I, she said I was always obsessed with jumping. And uh, then as I got into college, I could touch the rim. But then I, I was like, I, I want to dunk so bad because I wasn't a big dude. I was 5'8", 130 pounds when I was a freshman in college at 19 years old. That's, a, that's not a big dude for playing sports. And so I, my, I became completely fixated on dunking. And so I would research by reading Russian plyometric books and watching animals move and jump and run and stuff like that. And I just started applying all of these things that I saw animals do and I saw other people do that jumped really well. And after a short amount of time, I went from just grabbing the rim 
to hitting my arm on the rim here and I was hitting my head on the rim. And that's, I mean, for anybody on the planet to have a vertical jump around 47 inches, it's incredibly rare. And I got my vertical jump up to 47 inches and I was doing every dunk you can think of. And when I went out to LA, my confidence, uh, I, right after college, I moved out to LA to become a, a personal trainer because there was, um, that's where I heard it started in LA and New York. And my confidence level was so high because back then there was no books on how to train people. There was no manuals on how to jump high. You have to earn everything yourself. It would be literally like saying, okay, Ben, there is no podcast out there and nobody has microphones. Nobody has, you know, you have to figure out every single step of it yourself. So when you do that, you get the knowledge from the experience and thus you gain wisdom from it. And I had massive amounts of both that I was very successful at and very confident. So when I got to LA, I was fortunate enough to work for a guy named Todd Person. And I told him, you know, my athletic things, and he saw my athleticism was off the charts. So he got a couple athletes and he brought them in to me. I didn't know that one of the athletes was uh, a cocaine addict who was in the NBA, but he had been kicked out of the NBA because he got busted for cocaine. I didn't know that, nor did I care because I was like, I have an opportunity to show what I can do with an NBA player. And I was freaking out. And I took that guy from being fat, injured, out of shape, couldn't barely dunk anymore because his knees were so jacked up. And in about four months, he was ripped. He had an eight pack. His knees were healthy. He was dunking like a madman and balling like crazy within four months. And then all the players that he played ball with, all the other professional athletes were like, what the hell did you do lately? And he goes, that guy right there. And so I started, I, I, I was introduced to a whole bunch of professional athletes and they knew I knew my stuff really well. And that's how I got a job being a strength coach in the NBA and working with a ton of other NBA players that led me into working with major league baseball, NFL players, professional soccer players, and um, then also celebrities. I got to work with tons of Hollywood celebrities. And so So how did you how did you move from sports to celebrities and and who did you train? Just yeah, go into that kind of switch and Yeah, um and- I, I, well, I was, I was killing it with the pro athletes, but how I got my foot in the door with the celebrities was very random. I was training this mom because you have to, because athletes are seasonal. So everybody knows that out there, you can't just depend on them unless you're really good season to season. So I had my basketball players. I had a couple baseball players. But during those off seasons, I had to train a lot of regular folk who just want to get in shape. And this mom who I trained just so happened to say, you know, I'm friends with Steve Gutenberg's wife. And Steve Gutenberg, you're too young to know, but he made a bunch of huge movies, Police Academy, 
was probably one of his biggest movies. He made a bunch of huge movies back in the day. And I knew if I got to train his wife, I would get him. And then when I started training him, he, t he mentioned one day, yeah, my friend Woody Harrelson. And as soon as he said that, I was like, bring him in. I want to train him too. And so I got Steve and then I got Woody. Then I got, uh, it, it just started a cascade of events happened where all of a sudden I had a stable of huge celebrities and a stable of professional athletes that I was training year round. And I was one of the top trainers in Los Angeles without a doubt. And that was really fun. I mean, I don't know if you've heard like Bruce Willis, Demi Moore, Bruce Springsteen, Woody Harrelson, and Steve Goodenberg. Those are people that I have fortune to work with. And that was pretty cool for some kid from Madison, Wisconsin, who within a year of going out to LA, all of a sudden I'm meeting all these well-known people. That was pretty cool. Bruce Springsteen, wow. <laughs> You so, know what's funny about that? Yeah. I didn't even know who he was when I met him. <laughs> I had no clue because I've always been into hip-hop music, and rock and roll music was something I never gravitated towards. Right. So when, when Todd, Todd was the guy who trained Bruce mostly, Todd Person, the guy I mentioned, that's who I worked for for the first year. So through him, I got to meet all these other people. And uh, when he said, okay, you're going to work with Bruce today, I was like, okay, Bruce who? And he goes, Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, okay. I, I thought nothing of it. And he goes, do you even know who I'm talking about? And I was like, not a clue. And he was like, he's the boss. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And he goes, you've never heard? And he, 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 say, he started singing some of his songs. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I've heard of that song. And he, he was like, oh, my God. Johnny, you don't understand. He's the biggest artist in the world. And at the time, I was like, I was so like, okay, I'll meet him. Nice. And when I met him, I was like, hey, man, what's up? I was super because I, I didn't know who he was. And as I started to work with him and we became good friends, the, and um, then I, would, I, I looked into him more and I was like, dang, he, he's big time and then I was like wow that's pretty impressive but one thing that he and Woody and Steve and I think that they've always liked about me is I really don't care like Ben you could be Bruce Springsteen I don't care I always look at people for who they are and I've had opportunity to hang out with really well-known people and if they're jerks I'm like I, I don't want to hang out with them you know, and, and that's a lot. That's one thing that in Hollywood and L.A., those guys that are big time, they see that. They see people want to hang out. And those people that don't really care that they're famous, they like them for who they are. And that's what I've always been about. And that's why I think I became good friends with all of those guys. Right. So how long were you in L.A. doing that, doing that kind of training with sports and, I, and celebrities? I was in L.A. I was in LA for a little over 10 years. Wow. So what was the decision to to leave LA and, and return to, to Madison or wherever you went next? Yeah, well, um, part of my mind, I've always, like I told you, I've always sort of had to figure out how to jump higher, run faster, get stronger. And 
in that I always would be creating different ways to challenge myself to jump higher. Like I would tether myself to a resistance cables and jump and run. And that started producing those results that got me the 47 inch vertical. And so at one point I, I had like five or six really cool inventions in my head. And my dad, Bobby Hines, that's what he did for 11. He had a company called Lifeline and he invented the beaded jump rope with a program. And then he had surgical tubing that he would work out with and he made it what's called a deluxe gym. So these were his inventions. And I used his deluxe gym to resist my jumping and stuff, but it didn't quite work like I wanted it to. So I had to jerry-rig it so that it would resist my body and then it would resist me on push-ups and then I invented another thing called the power wheel but I knew that I couldn't develop these products unless I was back home here working with my dad at his factory and so that's what at one point I was just like you know I'm sort of done what I wanted to do out here in LA I want to invent a bunch of these products and make them come to fruition and so I moved back here. I made all these products. They blew up. I got, uh, I, I got uh, product of the year twice, inventions of the year twice uh, with my power wheel and my jungle gym and my power push-up. And th that's pretty cool for being an inventor and developing stuff that got voted by national magazines as the number one product in the country. And so I had that happen two times. Another time, one of them was up in the top and so that was something that i was really getting into at that time as well but then the yearning to get back to coaching people started to pop up and that's when i said you know if i if i combine my ideals on training and i offer it to the regular folks out here that would be a really cool gym because at the time the only gyms there were was yoga studios and isolated bodybuilding type gyms and so that's where i came up with the idea for my monkey bar gym so uh, what what was the process of uh, opening monkey bar gym and what makes it like different than you know any other gym in madison or or you know just tell us a little bit about monkey bar uh sure well uh at the time i didn't use any machines and i that's what was my big thing i, I never did that with my clients in la and I didn't train that way myself. I did mostly body weight. I would add weight to my body weight movements. And was and that was rare for the time? Yeah. Most, most people at the time, there was no such term even as functional training. So, like, I would resist running. I would resist my jumping with cables. I would put cables on my back and do push-ups, walk on my hands, climb ropes, I would do sand sprints. Things like that were common to me, but other personal trainers, they did bicep curls, triceps, bench press, lat pull, leg extensions, leg curls. That's how they trained. And there wasn't any gyms that trained like how I wanted to train back then. So I thought, you know, I think other people would really benefit and like this. And so I opened it. And part of my training was, all, was no machines. Then I also didn't use mirrors because I don't want people sitting there watching themselves working out. I wanted them focusing on what their, their movements are. And then also no machines, no mirrors, no shoes, because I want their feet to 
uh, uh, adapt to the ground and become stronger because shoes make your feet weaker because they bind your foot. They don't let it open. And so those three things were quite unique in the fitness world. And that's what I was all about. And since that time, I, I think I was the very first truly functional training gym in the United States. And since that time now, they're uh, all over the world. Wow. So where where did you open the gym? What, where, what was I the location? I opened the gym here on Williamson Street in Madison, Wisconsin was the first gym. Uh, we had affiliates all over the world. Then uh, within a few years after that, Australia, um, all over the United States, Canada, and South America. And But it's interesting how sometimes you can grow so fast that you implode. And so I got, I grew really fast, made some bad hires to help my growth and the business imploded at about the 10 year mark, which so, is tough to come back from. So you were, when you're talking about affiliates, like they were trained in like the monkey bar gym, like process, and they were able to open their own gym. That was, that's kind right. of what you're. So, so there, exactly. there was exactly. all these monkey bar gyms around the world, and the first one was started by you and Madison. What happened that just kind of made that, uh, made it the business implode? You said. Well, when I opened, nobody came. Then all of a sudden, people started to get it, and it blew up. I went from one member in the first months to over five hundred members by the end of the year. And it was all word of mouth. And, and then I got in, I was in national magazines all the time for my gym, for my inventions. And um, I, I was literally blowing up. My business just started expanding like crazy. And right around the first couple of years, I had to hire a whole bunch of people because I pretty much did everything the first few years. I taught all the classes uh, and I just burned myself out. So I had to hire a bunch of people to teach my classes, to manage the gym, to help me with franchising or affiliating the gym. And it was at that time I made some bad hires and we could not manage the growth of the gym. And, and sometimes you, you might hear this in business, when a business grows too fast, you almost wanna pull the reins back a little bit so you can control it. And I didn't know how to manage it, and it just sort of imploded at around 10 years when I, when I was really trying to manage it. And it took about five years for me to actually get the reins back on the business. And I basically, my wife and I, we basically had to start all over to get the business coming back. And we were doing that until coronavirus hit. And then when coronavirus hit, uh, we just ended up closing the gym, the actual brick and mortar, and went 100% online. And that's what we've been doing since. So how did you get back from, from and, and grab the reins again and bring back Monkey Bar Gym to like where it, where it was before or before COVID? You know? Right. Uh, that was tough. Uh, I mean, when you give the reins of something that you love to other people who don't have the same passion for it that you do. And what happened is they literally said, let us run it, um, just stand on the sidelines. And it killed the heart of 
what we were offering. It killed the original vision of what I, I was trying to do, which going back to when I was a little boy, I wanted people connecting. I wanted a strong sense of community, a strong sense of a team, a tribe, um, growing and getting stronger together. And when I gave the reins away, people were hired that didn't have that fire, didn't care about building people up stronger and creating a stronger community. And that completely killed the heart of the business. And then I could just see it dying. And so my wife and I made a very hard decision that we have to move back because we had moved to Chicago for a while to help our second uh, corporate location down there. And we had to close the gym, move back to Madison, close a lot of affiliates and try to restart the whole thing again by bringing back the heart to it. And it took time, but we, we were on the precipice of building it back up. And uh, that's when everything hit. And so, but the interesting thing is I've taught enough classes in my life. I, you know, in person. And so, and having the responsibility of managing all these other teachers and stuff like that, that's a lot. And so when this happened, we had already started doing it online because that's less stress for us. And it was actually a pretty good transition for my wife and I to make to online. And this way we can make more of a global impact. And that's what we're doing. And we really enjoy that a lot. So we bring it back to heart to the business, but now it's online. Yeah. So how has it all been throughout COVID? I mean, with the online, what are you seeing? Are you seeing like a lot of positive results or, or what is your, what is the outcome been with um, being fully online? That's a good question. Uh, what, I, what we've seen is that when people are at a gym, oftentimes they just come in, show up and feel like they're doing enough. And what, really makes a difference is that one-on-one -on -one attention. Even if you're teaching a class with 30 people in it, if I'm walking around, I'm trying to touch everybody in class and encourage them to higher levels. But a lot of times people come in and they sort of just want to put it in cruise control. When you're online in, on a Zoom class, you're literally right in front of myself or my wife and we're like, okay, Ben, pick it up, Ben, let's go. Ben, what did you do last time, Ben? I did 10 reps. Okay, today we're going to do 11 reps. And then we're coaching them on breathing. We're coaching them on their alignment training. And it's so right in front of us. And we lay it out on a platter for people on what you did last time. So what are we going to do today? We're going to upgrade you by 10% today. Way stronger results of people training, doing the alignment work, doing breath work, everything They've improved way more than they did when they were at the gym. And we see people who truly want change, they figured it out. When COVID hit and people had to start working out at home, a lot of people used that as an excuse just to stop and take a vacation. Some people used it when they started working out at home. They're like, well, this isn't going to last very long. I'm just going to not buy any equipment. And those people both sort of fell off to the wayside. But then you have a group of people that were like, what do I need to get so I can train at home and I can become more efficient 
because I'm working out. I want to make positive change. And those people are making such incredible gains. It's, in, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And it's really inspired my wife and I to really go all in on the online because everybody doing it is just, it's inspiring. So a lot of people are talking about like, will their job be online after all this? Do you think you're going to mm. take Monkey Bar online all the time, even when we can come back to the to the gym? What do you think? What What is... Yeah. Yeah, well, the gym, this location closed. And uh, because that many months trying to pay rent, what we could, it was just, you can't do it because our rent was a lot. And so uh, the online, we understand how to do it now. We understand what people want online. We understand how to teach them how to set up their home gyms. And we think it's, it's a done deal. This is what we're going to be doing to help people all over the world it works better than at the gym and it's easy for everybody including ourselves to do this so this is what all we this is what we want to do for sure wow so what is so there's i mean there's a lot of people who are like struggling to find ways to stay in shape or like they've taken this as an excuse to to you know get out of shape or not exercise all i mean these tough times what what would you say to them to help them well they have to make a decision that they are going to do it one uh, a lot of people like i said use the excuse of well this will be over soon they've been saying this since last march uh that's one thing and then okay be accountable get the equipment you need how much do you really need you need maybe a pull-up bar get yourself you know if you get yourself a pull-up bar, if you can't do pull-ups, then get yourself a suspension trainer. If, if you have that, maybe a jump rope, and you get yourself some, a set of kettlebells or some weights, you're going to be really good to go. You can do pretty much anything. Um, playgrounds have a lot of stuff too as well, like pull-up bars and dip bars and stuff like that. But mostly, you got to just learn how to use your body and you got to be accountable and what we do is we help people lay we have programs laid out we have month-to-month -month memberships that they can follow or specific programs just body weight to get stronger and leaner and healthier and just follow it make the commitment to changing your life no matter what the situation is if if they said we got six more months what are you going to do nothing for six months or are you just going to make the decision i'm not going to wait till later to begin to change my life for the better, I'm going to start today. I'm gonna to learn how to eat right. I'm gonna learn how to balance my body so I don't have aches and pains. I'm gonna learn how to strengthen my mind, body, and spirit so that I feel more confident and healthier for the rest of my life starting today. So the big thing is make that decision because we have a decision every single day to rise or to fall with all of our choices. Eat better or eat crappy. Do something that stimulates growth or be, be lazy and don't, you know, and we have those choices every single day. So what I challenge people to do is step up, stand up, rise, do something today that will make you a better person tomorrow. And so that starts with get the tools that you need. You got yourself a mic. You got yourself headphones. You got yourself your camera. You didn't sit there and say, well, I'll just try and do it all off my phone. You know, you committed to doing that. So that's what I tell other people. I was like, make the commitment. What if this doesn't 
change for the next two years. Are you going to keep waiting, waiting and waiting to start your life? And so that's what I always tell people, make, let's go, let's go now, make the change today. So when you look at it all and having all this success online with and and with Monkey Bar Gym and and the start and your training and all of that, how does it make you feel knowing like how many people you've you've helped or? Uh, that's an interesting question. I haven't really thought about that. Uh, I know my inventions have helped millions of people all over the world. I know my invention of a truly no machine, no mirrors, no shoes training facility has changed the lives of millions of people all over the world. I know those. Uh, that makes me feel really good, but it does not in any ways. It's nice, but it doesn't make me sit you know, on my, on my laurels or anything like that. I really want to change and help make this world a better place. And my conduit for doing that is health and fitness. If people challenge themselves every day mentally, physically, spiritually, which you can do when you're working out, when you, what you can do with your alignment, what you can do with your eating, your breath work, if you can do those things and challenge yourself to rise and get better all the time, that makes more conscious people. They eat healthier, they, they treat the earth better, they treat other people better, and that makes the world a better place. So. I feel good what I have done, but I want to make a stronger impact all the time. That's my whole goal in life is to help make people and planet healthier and happier. Yeah. With all this success, where do you attribute it to? I saw a lot of work ethic, really hard work from my parents. And uh, they had different aspects of what they brought to the table. My dad was completely disorganized, but he envisioned really cool stuff and he busted his ass for it my mom was more organized so she did the back side of the stuff for the biz their business and but we struggled we had serious like challenges like i said with drug and alcoholism that and i grew up like in a rough environment that way and all my friends were also grew up in rough environments like that and i saw you know, serious struggle that made me not want that. I want to feel like connected to other people. I want to live healthy. I don't want to live like an unhealthy environment like I grew up in. And that really drove me to, to I had to figure stuff out myself. Like I didn't get a lot of help. I never had a trainer. I never had a nutrition coach. I never had anybody uh, an engineering, I don't have an engineering background on, on how to make inventions and stuff like that. But those things, by not having any of those given to me, I had to work my ass off to get those things, to pay my way through school, to invent things, to go out to California and become a huge success. None of those things, if I didn't have that serious drive and passion to succeed, uh, like I told you before, you either rise or we fall in life. And my upbringing, there was a lot of disappointment in it. And if if and, and I truly believe this, struggle makes strength. No struggle, no strength. If you're given everything in your whole life, then you don't have to work for it. 
But if you have to work for every single thing that you get in life, you earn it and you feel better in your heart from it. And you're wiser because now you know how to get those things. So now let me grab a little bit more, a little bit more. And I had to earn my strength of my mind, body, and spirit. And, and I saw a lot of that drive from my parents in different ways. And then learning from like, when I look back when I was younger, when I would escape my home life and go play ball, a lot of the dudes that I grew up around, like I played ball mostly in the South Side, and that was a struggle too. I was the only white dude in the basketball and football league pretty much. So I got challenged all the time to be, you know, to, people wanted to punk me. And you either step up or you get beat down. And so I had to step up and take on challenges and, and stand when I was scared out of my mind to get my ass beat. And so those lessons and the lessons that the older dudes taught me growing up playing ball on the South Side and older dudes who were thugs and roughnecks, they taught me a lot on life, how to persevere. And so all of those lessons seem like they're not big things, but they make you who you are. And I feel like if without those people in my life toughening me up, I would not be where I am today. If that makes sense for your question. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So where do you see the gym and, and where are you going to, where do you think you're going to take the gym in, in the future and in, in five years or 10 years, however many years? Well, uh, we want to continue to grow our online presence and work with other people. Tony Robbins is a person that I've worked with for a long time. Do you know who he is? I don't think so. No, no. Who is okay, he? Tony Robbins is, he's the number one motivational speaker in the world. And I've been his fitness advisor for six, 15 years. And um, I want to work with more people to branch out, to expand our audience, and to be able to just help more people make positive changes in their lives so we make a bigger impact on the planet. And that's what I want for this business, to just continue, not just grow it, but explode it. I want to make bigger change on, for people on planet. And uh, that's our goal to really get people to connect to themselves so that they can make a stronger connection to other people as well. That's our goal. So what are the programs that you're teaching now and then how can people sign up for them or, or you know, find them? Sure. Sure. Well, we have our online strength training and conditioning programs. So we have a body weight only program. We have a kettlebell program. We also have alignment training, which we call BASE. BASE stands for breathing, active alignment, stability, and extension. And I, we've been doing that for over 20 years. It's a very unique style of alignment that is active rather than passive. Most um, people, when they do stretching routines, they just hang in stretches. But the body is meant to be actively engaged to open the body up, not static, which is hanging. And so base is completely about active alignment and using one muscle group. Like here, I'm pulling my arms back and working the shoulders down. This is active, okay, versus putting my hand on a bar and just hanging out. That would be static. So we try and do everything we can as active, like nature 
intuitively that we do as our way to realign the body. And then we incorporate breathing into it. We, we then try and put these all together in a program that we can have for daily, which would be our daily membership, which people can do our strength and conditioning. We're going to integrate base into there as well. Or they can sign up for our eight-week programs like kettlebells, body weight, and then our body mastery course that will be coming up in January. So we have programs or memberships. We do live classes. They're recorded all the time. There's tons of content on there. And Jesse and I teach all the classes as well. Great. So is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? I mean, thank you so much for coming on here. This is your... Uh, No, I love... Uh, One other thing, I do train athletes online as well, especially basketball, because I love helping high school kids jump higher and dunk better and stuff. So I do that as well. But uh, I just hopefully this reaches out and inspires some of your listeners to make a decision to make change today so that they can be healthier and happier and then they can make a positive impact on those around them as well. So thank you, Ben, for having me on. Yeah, well, thank you so much for doing this. If you want more information about his exercise programs, go to his website, monkeybargym.com, or click the link in the description of this episode. The Madisonian Podcast is a production of Benjamin Brownie in association with We Are Productions. Cover art, editing, producing, and booking by Ben Brown. Host, Ben Brown. If you are a Madisonian and would like to be on the show, just email me at benjaminbrowningproductions at gmail.com or click the link in the description of this episode. Please support us by buying our merch. It is the best way to support us. And use that holiday promo code that I mentioned earlier in the show. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and keep an eye out for next week's episode. P.S. Our last guest, Ken Longquist, is an amazing songwriter. One thing that our family did this holiday season is we hired Ken Lundquist to write a song for our family as we would celebrate the holidays separate from each other because of COVID-19. This is a great way to spread joy to your family and Ken Lundquist can be found at his website kenlin.com and we'll do a custom song for you and your family.